choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. One we are willing to postpone. And one we intend to win. Here's a ground ball right side. Could do it. The Call us Texas because we're back. Another edition of Beyond the Diamond Podcast. Brian Lalima, Apollo Dez, here on the Apollo Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter, BLima790, at Apollo Dez1, and of course, Apollo Houston, Apollo HOU on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, at Apollo HOU. Dez, look, I can see you right now because we're on Zoom. It's what we do behind the scenes. Are, are you okay, my man? I mean, that was look, it's, been, it's, been, it's been about look. a week since we've uh, been around, but, uh, but we're back. I mean, yeah, we're back for sure. I mean, what you said was very <laughs> ugly, but we'll just roll with it. What, um, a, what a way to start it. I mean, it was electric. What can I say? Look, it, it was, you it was ugly. Bad, you want to be the bad boys of podcasting or not? You let me know. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm in. I'm in. We're back, though. We're here. We're, we're here. here. The Astros, uh, have been, the Astros have been playing well. We're leading into uh, what some would call the World Series between the Astros and the Yankees because the Yankees fans are getting their rocks off by running their mouth to all of Astros Twitter. We'll get to that in segment two. But segment one, the Astros, we're going to do a little bit of a recap. The Astros have now won three series in a row. The last two. They took three out of four from the Seattle Mariners, and then they took two out of three from the Tampa Bay Rays. I think one of the major points that pops out is the pitching staff, the starting rotation, the longevity of the starting rotation. It's a nice change of pace, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's about damn time we've had a starter go past five innings not named Zach Greinke, and you're seeing the positive... Um, the positive things happen from that. You have a bullpen that now comes in that's well rested. You have a team offensively that's put it, been putting up runs, but now seeing W's behind that because your your pitchers are actually pitching, and we're winning series like we thought this team could. And we're you know we we're in a little hole, dug ourselves out of it, chasing I think a game and a half now from Oakland, and uh, it feels good. We put, played some damn good baseball. I'm always happy to see that. And uh, we may have a sweep problem, though. I, I just think the brooms are broken. I think that's three straight series. We had a, a sweep lined up, and we could not close it out. So hopefully that changes here soon. Uh, I would love to see the guys bring the brooms out. But other than that, good baseball all the way around. Uh, it's been um, offensively, batters picking up other batters. The starting pitching has been phenomenal. The bullpen has been electric, and uh, we needed it. We definitely needed it right then and there. Yeah, and you look at the rotation for the Astros. Uh, Her- Jose Arquiti has been throwing the pill very well. Christian Javier continues to be electric on the mound. Ryan Stanek and Ryan Presley are all stars. They are dominant in the eighth and the ninth inning. Um, obviously, Kent Emanuel did his thing against the Angels. He threw some innings a couple of days ago and threw well. Jose Altuve has come back with a vengeance. 
Uh, he in his first game back, he had three hits and two RBIs uh, after the whole health and safety protocol thing. Uh, so the Astros are, are finally getting back to what we have come accustomed to over the last couple of years. And it, it's been nice to win series. Obviously, you brought up where the Astros can't sweep. The brooms are broken. But look, at the end of the day, you win every series. You're going to have a good record. You're going to go into the playoffs. You'll make a good playoff run. So continue to win series. That's, that's the name of the game. Win the series. Yeah, I, I, that's that's what you have to do, and it, it sucks that we went through that really soft part of that schedule and didn't produce and didn't have actually any signs of good baseball. It was it was just bad, and it was like these teams aren't good, and we're we're pissing away wins. But you know we're kind of rolling into this into this schedule that we thought, man, this is tough. If we get out of here at five hundred, I'd be happy. But the guys are just they're vibing, man, and it it looks good, and a lot of the time it's not. The home run ball's been lacking this year, obviously, um, all around the lineup. I'm looking at it right now on uh, Baseball Savant. I mean, Kyle Tucker still leads the team in home runs. And then you have Bregman at four. Altuve only has one. Diaz only has one. Correa has four. Guriel has four. Castro has two. Uh, Jordan has three. Chaz has one. And Brantley has two. So, it's, I mean, it's, it's just good old school fundamental baseball, getting the guy over and getting him in. And um, it's a joy to see they're hanging numbers and uh, you know, the boys are vibing. Yeah. And when, and when we talk about the rotation, I know you just covered hitting a little bit. Uh, when you look in the Mariner series, Urquidy six innings pitched, Christian Javier, seven innings pitched. Then you go into uh, game three, Zach Grinke did not pitch very well. Four innings, four hits, four earned runs. Uh, pitch count of 85, but then you got Brandon Belak. He comes in and throws a quality three innings, two hits, one run, uh, no walks. Joe Smith came in, and I know he struggled early, but he looked he looked like he returned to form in that game. One inning, one hit, got his got in, got out, and then he gave the ball to Ryan Stanek, who came in and slammed the door shut to close out, uh, and they won that game 7-5, to five, which, which wrapped up the series win against the Mariners. And then against Tampa Bay, our guy Lance McCullers Jr. comes out, throws some disgusting sliders and change-ups, and let's see, he throws seven quality innings, no runs, nine Ks, three walks. So you get past five innings with McCullers Jr., and then you look at, uh, I just lost, but yeah, Arkady again throws a quality start, seven innings, no runs, five Ks, one walk. And then obviously, you know, sometimes you just don't win, right? So yeah. you look at that, that game where they lost five to four. Um, again, baseball sucks at times. Uh, Brooks Raley actually got the loss in that game. Uh, Christian Javier. Not his best. Five innings, four hits, three earned runs, two walks, four Ks, 81 pitches. Brian Abreu came in. He threw pretty well. Three Ks in an innings work. Uh, Rayleigh obviously got the loss. Ryan Stanek and then Ken Emanuel got in, struck out two more, 15 pitches. And again, sometimes you just don't win. But collectively, the staff has been doing its job over the last two, three series against the Angels, the Mariners, and the Rays. And that's what you need to have a good quality baseball team, a good rotation. 
that is going to eat up some innings and get you into your bullpen in the eighth, the seventh, eighth, or ninth. If you can get six out of each of your starters, then the Astros are going to be pretty damn good, and they're going to be tough to beat because the lineup hitting comes and goes. But I'm willing to bet this lineup over a lot of teams in the MLB right now. So I'm extremely excited to see what the staff has done over the last two series. Now, can they go into a hostile New York and continue to pitch well? We will see. And again, we'll touch on that in segment two. But it's just been it's it's winning cures everything. It does. Winning cures everything. And it's a it's a pleasant sight to see because, look, the first two and a half weeks was just bad baseball. We're getting by. Uh, <clears throat> other than Zach Grinke, no one threw more than five innings and the, the bullpen was tired, worn down, logged a shit ton of innings. And now we're seeing starters get extended, getting back into their into their groove, and we're seeing good things happen. And and I and I'm looking back at the I was at the Seattle loss where we almost got no hit. I mean, sometimes that's just baseball. Sometimes it's just you know we were hitting everything right at every single one, and it was just part of the game. Losing one nothing, that's baseball. That happens. That last Rays game on Sunday, honestly, it was just bad baseball. We we looked uh, fundamentally bad. We had some errors. We had some misplays, and kind of just. Gave that game away. I, I I hate giving games away. It gives me a, a just a terrible taste in my mouth, and that's when we can circle and look back if we're you know down the stretch and have a we're chasing a game or up a game. Um, it's one you wish you had in your back pocket, but it's 162. Uh, like I said, I think the 60 game PTSD is uh, starting to wear off a bit with the fan base that's so um, reactionary, and uh, we're starting to realize like yeah, this is a marathon. We're we're not even at Cinco de Mayo yet. We're not even May 5th. You know, it's it's the beginning of May and uh, we're going to see good things happen as long as the boys stay healthy. So um, other than that, I'm just, I'm just glad these guys have shown resiliency and, and we see it time and time again. Every hostile environment they go to on the road, it just looks like they feed off that. And I think um, I think it was either Tags or Rome. They, they, I know Straw said something and Molly said something. I think even Dusty said something like, you know, when you're you're booing them and you're and you're going after the, the the lineup that only like four of the guys were even still part of that team, it they're feeding off it because this this team is so October veterans that there's nothing they haven't seen before. And I said it last year when they're about to play Minnesota, everyone's touting Minnesota, Minnesota's a wagon, blah, 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 blah. I was like, things change in October, even with no fans. Like it's that each situation each out is maximized and these guys have logged a ton of innings they've logged a ton of at bats and they know what to do when they're thrown into the ringer like that and so every time they've been on the road it's been that same atmosphere and me and you brian were there at in colorado of all places and it was a hostile environment of you know in hippie land denver like so I think the guys are feeding off it. They're playing for one another. It's it's a them versus the world mentality. And once you once you get a team to buy into that, that's when a team becomes really dangerous because they're playing not for themselves, but their brother that's next to them. And they're picking them up. And we're seeing that offensively. It's not we're not hitting 10 home runs a game. It's it's a double here. It's a single here. It's a sack fly there. OK, we produce the run. It's a walk here two out walk. It's a read a, a dirt ball. You get to second base, find a gap, and you, you bring him in with a single. Like we're seeing the little things of baseball that we really haven't seen with this Astro team over the last five years because a lot of the times those teams would just bully other teams and hit 25 home runs a game. And this time, it, it will come back. Like that team is still here to just bully teams offensively. 
But right now, they're maximizing wins by playing really good team baseball. And I think that's what gets me rock hard. Yeah, when you when you talk about one getting bricked up, it is what it is. <laughs> Two, when, up on a Monday. when when you talk about team baseball, uh, hitting is contagious. 100%. A, lo- a lot of people say that. You and I can definitely attest to it. Hitting is so contagious. So when the lineup is struggling to put things together, and then you get some momentum in, in the later innings and you get a leadoff guy on, you find a way to get him to second or, you know, you continue to, to pass the bat, right? So you get the guy in a scoring position, whatever it is, and you manufacture runs, that's how you know you have a solid lineup. Just manufacturing runs. It's not all about hitting bombs. Again, we're used to Springer hitting bombs, Altuve hitting bombs. Bregman, Correa, uh, Jordan. Obviously, Springer's not in the lineup anymore. He's a Toronto Blue Jay. He makes his day. He actually comes back to Houston on Friday. Right, we'll cover that well, got, in another he episode. Pulled. He got pulled. Oh, the did game he? On Sunday. Oh, okay. Yeah. I missed that one. I, I knew he was we'll a little see. bit. Yeah, we'll see. I knew he's still kind of wobbled from that hamstring or quad or whatever he's hurt with. But anyway, um, we're accustomed to seeing the long ball. We haven't really seen it this year. So to see Jose Altuve come back, and really light this lineup on fire. Um, it's a welcome sight. And even actually, I, I take a step back from that. We need to give Dusty Baker a little bit of credit for putting Carlos Correa in the leadoff spot. 100%. That worked out pretty well for the couple games that he was up there because they were struggling. Chaz McCormick wasn't getting it done in the, in the leadoff spot. Miles Straw was not getting it done in the leadoff spot. I think even Michael Brantley let off one game, and that didn't really pan out. You put Carlos Correa at the top, and things start to click a little bit, and then Jose Altuve comes back. There's so many different things that you can do with the lineup when Altuve is at the top, but give Dusty Baker a little bit of credit for, uh, for having Correa at the, at the top of the lineup for those couple games when they needed wins very, very badly, and they got them. Altuve comes back, and it seems like offensively things are really starting to click again. now. I will say there are still a few holes. Martin Maldonado isn't even hitting above 100. I know average, it is, the average, the batting average stat, it is what it is. It's archaic. Uh, yeah, but you look at the... But none o- of the peripherals look good. Right. I mean. You look at OBP, look at OPS, you look at slugging, it's all... Nothing is over 200 in those categories. I know Miles Straw got a couple of hits the other night. Uh, that's fine. He's still not getting on base. Look, his, his OPP I, is below 300. I agree. Look, I, I'm not here to die on the Miles Straw Hill at, at all. Yeah, he, de- I, he knows he needs to produce. Everyone knows he needs to produce. But being a, a unbiased journalist and a fan of the game in the so same sentence. Objectively. Objectively, of course. Mm-hmm. Miles Straw is kind of a good hitter when he needs to be in a big moment. Not when they're up, couple of runs. I'm saying there's been times in games where he's got an infield single or he's worked a walk or he's got the guy over. He's done the little things right in moments where we were trailing or tied that have made me go, hmm, okay. There could be something there. There could be something yes. there. It, I agree. It almost, it almost seems like he's locked in when it's that moment and everything else he's not locked in. It, it, I, I don't know. I think there's some yeah. data we could dig there, but there's been moments over the last, and like you said, winning cures everything, and everything's not under a microscope when you're winning. But there's been 
there's been times over the last three series where Miles Straw did something in a in a big moment in a in a moment where you would you would highlight if he got out or got on base, and he's done those little things right. Whether it's yeah. getting a, a a hustle single, uh, getting the guy over, getting him in, whatever it was, it's it's been moments like that. And in this in the in the box score, he's gonna be one for fours and it looked bad, but in that moment, it's been actually decent decent at bat. Yeah, and, and me bringing him up wasn't. I, Look, it's been noted that I like to slander him quite a bit. Um, but me bringing him up in this instance was not to do that. Because yeah. then, I got, then, I, then I divert over to Kyle Tucker. And Kyle Tucker hates baseball right now. Yeah. I mean, he's hammered balls. Yeah. Destroyed baseballs and cannot find a hit. And that's how it goes in baseball. That's so good. you look at Kyle Tucker, Miles Straw, Marty Maldonado. You have to get better production from those guys. And they know that, right? We know that as fans, as journalists, uh, they know that all the way around the clubhouse, right? With the offense starting to click a little more, hopefully you can get more production from those three, especially from Kyle Tucker. Kyle Tucker is going to write this ship, so to speak, the one that where he can literally not buy a hit. Yeah. He's going to write that. Uh, And then Miles Straw, I agree with you, Des, I do. Over the last couple series, you see some quality at-bats from Miles Straw. Again, there's still some at-bats that you scratch your head like, what the hell was that? What are you yep. looking at? Where he gets right. overpowered. Absolutely. Or he just sits and looks at pitches right down the middle or somewhere around the zone. But it is what it is. But I still see small glimmers of quality at-bats from Miles Straw. I think just collectively as a lineup, obviously you know Altuve is going to be there. Michael Brantley is one of the most professional hitters ever not just in the league now ever that's my take of this beyond the diamond podcast edition michael brantley is one of the most pure professional hitters the game has ever seen of all time of all time look i'm looking at i'm on i'm on baseball savant right now um look it's tough it's tough at the end of the day when you have two guys miles and maldano that are in the bottom 5% of the league, respectfully, for hard hit percentage. Um, that's tough. Uh, barrel percentage for Miles Straw is the bottom 6% at 1.4. Uh, everyone listening right now, average is around 5 to five to 8. Like Barrel percentage for Jordan Alvarez is 11.5. Pretty, pretty freaking rare. But the one outlier that I'm looking at in, in the raw algorithmic data is Alex Bregman is in the bottom 6% of the league in exit velocity. Wow. He's at 85.3 on average off the bat. That is mind blowing to me. And that's probably driving him absolutely insane. For sure. And, and he's a notorious slow starter and he's, I mean, right. I think if you told Alex that he'd be batting 286 with the OBP of 348, slugging percentage 452. Um, I think you'd take that if you told him, you know, that was you're going to be your April. Uh, I think he'd definitely say, yeah, that's fine because he's just a notorious slow starter. But bottom 6% of the league in exit velocity. That is something that I did not see. Obviously, the, the span and margin, there's Altuve is at 87.5. And exit velocity, he, he's in the middle of the pack. So, I mean, a two-mile-per-hour difference uh, puts you in the bottom 6%. So, obviously, 
that's going to, you know, Bregman's going to do what Bregman does and get hot, you know, right before October and, and, and into the playoffs. So um, that was just one outlier I saw that would really made me go, huh? Yeah, I, th- I think the craziest thing about the game of baseball is you've got Alex Bregman averaging 85 miles per hour off the bat, and he's hitting, let's see, close to three. I mean, he's hitting, what, around 285, 280, what was it? Uh, he's the average? 286. Yeah, so 280, 286. And then you look at Kyle Tucker, who yeah. has hit balls over 100 miles an hour, like five do out you, of six times. Do you, you want to guess? Do you want to guess what his... Uh... What his exit velocity is, his average uh, for the season? 103.5. That's a little little steep, but he actually leads the Astros in exit velo at 91.6. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, and, way, way uh, off. But... And hitting 188. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the game of baseball. Yeah, it's a, that's... The game of baseball is a bitch, man. It's a yeah. grind. It's brutal. It'll <laughs> humble you. Bro, he leads, he leads mean... the team in barrels. Um, he's top three and he's top two right behind Jordan and, and barrel percentage, uh, hard hit like, percentage. He, he's number one at 47 wow. hard, hard hit percentage. Uh, so wow. That, somebody, uh, somebody get the man a God, slump buster. He needs a slump buster in the Something. worst way. Yeah. So hopefully he can turn it around going into New York. Um, and that's what we're going to cover in segment two, the Astros take two out of three from the Rays and three out of four from the Mariners. That's going to do it for our segment one, the recap of the last two series leading into segment two. We will preview the hostile environment known as the Bronx, where the Astros will travel and take on the Yankees. Don't go anywhere more beyond the diamond podcast next here on the Apollo podcast network. Welcome back. Segment two of Beyond the Diamond podcast. Brian Lalima here with you, co-hosting with the one, the only Apollo Dez. Follow us on Twitter at BLima790, at Apollo Dez1, and at Apollo H-O-U. And Dez, the series is here. The series that everyone's been looking forward to. The Astros travel to New York to take on the hated regime of the New York Yankees. All over Twitter. The last couple of days, it's been non-stop shit-talking. Personally, I haven't engaged in any of it. I've seen it pretty much all day, every day. And the one common denominator is that the Yankees Twitter, the Yankees fans, the Yankees faithful, whatever you want to call those jackasses, are full-on ready to cause... Any kind of drama they can think of against the Astros fans and the what? Astros organization. It's going to be, um, I, I, I try not to sound like a, uh, a wuss here, but it's going to be kind of dangerous for Astros fans up in the, up in the Bronx this, this coming series. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to be an asshole and, and hurt, hurt our fans, like, then you're just a fucking asshole. But I don't know, it's another May series to me. The Yankees, this this artificial rivalry that the Yankees fans have conjured doesn't exist. We beat them in 15. We beat them in 17. We beat them in 19. Beat them. We would have beat them in 20. Like, we, it's not a rivalry because we just beat them. And yeah, I, I get it. You're pissed off. You're blah, 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 blah. You're in your mom's basement. You hate life. It's cold. It's, the sun's finally coming out. It's finally to warm up. Like, yeah, I get it. You have a shitty life. Like, 
it's cool. Baseball is your escape. I get that. You're a Yankees fan. And the Astros have owned you for the last half decade. And I can hear it now. 27 rings. 27. I mean, come on, dude. The last time you got a ring was in 2009 when the team was doing steroids out their ass. And Boom Boom Pow was the number one song in America. Like, it's been a freaking minute. So I'm, I'm not worried about it. It's just another series in May. Win or lose, it's another series in May. But this is the Yankees World Series. They they they're they're sitting here. They're they're itching and crawling to to boo at the Astros. It, it's not like they haven't done that before. The past playoff series in New York when we play there, we haven't really won. We haven't played well there. But it's their own damn fault they didn't get home field and we took advantage of it. Sorry. So, yeah, the Bronx Zoo is the Bronx Zoo for a reason. I tip my cap to that. They create an organic crazy atmosphere and it's going to be like that with limited capacity i understand that but it's may you're organically trying to get they just got the 500 they're trying to they're trying to pump something up and, and creating this this fake world series again to to get them riled up and finally get them over 500 congratulations like it's may who gives a fuck <laughs> yeah well you know you say who gives a fuck but uh anytime the astros come to town Whatever respective team the Astros are going to play against, that crowd, those, quote, fans, they're going to give a fuck. And it's because of the Astro sign stealing. It doesn't matter. I mean, we saw it in Denver. Colorado fan. I mean, if, uh, Rockies, quote, unquote, fans. Booing the hell, screaming, yelling, talking shit. It doesn't matter what team it is. They're all going to come out and do whatever they can to talk shit. To the Houston Astros and the Houston Astros faithful that are in that city, in that respective city for that respective series. Now, when it comes to New York, this is what I saw on Twitter. This is one thing that doesn't blow my mind, but it's like, you know, how do the fans not pay attention to this? In the 2017 ALCS, the Yankees scored three runs combined. In their four losses, they didn't score one run in game seven. Charlie Morton and Lance McCullers in game seven dominated. The Yankees fans forget that. They are so infatuated and so stuck on this sign-stealing scandal, which that little jackass that sits in his little basement, his little media group, you know, they, they created this buzzer story and all this other bullshit, so the Yankees faithful stick on that. They stick on 2017. They try to say that Aaron Judge should have been MVP, but let's not forget that he only got three fucking votes in that MVP race, in that voting. So even if he, you know, should have been MVP, he wasn't going to be MVP. He only got three fucking votes. So this series, this week, is like a World Series or a heated playoff, heated rivalry. It's almost like they're trying to make this bigger than the, than the Red Sox and, and Yankees uh, rivalry. Just because of the past. Typical Yankees fans living in the past. Look, we're seeing, we're seeing trigger fingers turning into Twitter fingers. That's all we're seeing right now. And I, I, I just I, it falls back to it's been so one-sided for a half decade that it's just another series to me. And look, it's going to be raucous and be rowdy. I'm going to be obnoxious on the time. But don't let us win. I'm telling you right now, New York, do not let us <laughs> win. 
because I will be the most insufferable human being. Look, I live in the mud. If you want to get in the mud with me, we're going to get muddy. And that's what's going to happen. And you will not survive. You will not survive being in the mud with me. So to not do that, the Yankees have to win. Because if the Astros win this series, I will be the most obnoxious human being. I will be dancing on graves. I will be throwing parades in the street because all of a sudden we won the May World Series and we're going to, you know, hang another banner because that's what this has all been blown up to be. So do not let us win in New York. Yeah. Because if we win in New York and we beat Garrett Cole as well, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, and that matchup, that's going to be, that matchup is Thursday. It's McCullers versus Garrett Cole. You know, it's, it's so funny to me that Yankee fans, and I know this segment, we're really just talking about, you know, Yankee fans, Astros fans, the upcoming series. We're not even really getting into the X's and O's of this, of this series. But when it comes to the Yankees fans that just like to sit on the internet, talk their shit, bring up the cheating scandal, post pictures of trash cans, um, talk about Aaron Judge and his MVP that wasn't, blah, 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 blah. How are we going to forget or how are they going to forget and deflect and avoid Major League Baseball sealed a letter that describes the Yankees sign stealing of their own? They just completely forget about it. What they also completely forget about. A lot of their World Series wins, playoff wins, were in the steroid era weird weird how that happens weird how they forget about that the steroid era you want to talk about cheating you want to talk about getting a competitive advantage what do you always say des sign stealing bad steroids good yep they forget about it they deflect on it they don't want to discuss it that's what this whole all this hoopla bullshit about a Early May, midweek series, three games set with two teams that one team in the New York Yankees just got to 500. The Astros in the last in the last three series, the Astros finally got back on track. They were below 500 for a while. I mean, it's just look, the Yankees win. It's going to be in every media outlet. Oh yeah. This this the Yankees got robbed from the 2017 World Series. If the Astros win, it's going to be the Astros win a May series in in the Bronx. Like that's that is what's going to happen. It's it's either either that or that. There's going to be no in between. And game 1 we got Zach Greinke versus a piece of shit Domingo Herman who, you know, just served 81 game suspension for beating his girlfriend for, you know, domestic violence. And uh he's pitching for the Yankees tomorrow. So um yeah that's great i i guess like i mean i i and look i met some great people on yankees twitter i met some some great people some great friends it's it's just a may series to me we're gonna talk some shit on the timeline and continue our ways and i've seen it and they hate this guy just like a, i think everyone on yankees twitter does but i don't know how this guy's pitching in the show but here we are he's he's pitching game one yeah and and when it comes to the national media, they're going to have a field day on this. If, if the Yankees oh, yeah. win this series, they're going to have an absolute field day. I think it was Joel Sherman 
uh, I'm trying to find the tweet. I think he put out an article today. I'm sorry. Well, here we are recording on Monday. Let me see why we don't do things live on the air. That's why we come prepared. Joel Sherman, baseball columnist of the New York Post. Yep, here it is. The two th- here's the title of the article. The 2017 ALCS looks different with knowledge that the Astros cheated that season. But with history, do we also look back and see that as this group of Yankees' best chance to win a championship? Oh, yeah. The Astros are in the Bronx on Tuesday night. Wow. That's, that's one part of national media. Just this- like we saw during the cheating scandal, the fallout, the national media took different stories. They ran with it one way, and they became hypocrites. Busseroni, hypocrite. Joel Sherman, just like, like I just read, just firing up stuff to fire up stuff to get clicks, to bring in false narratives, and just slander the Astros' name, whatever they can do. Just like you said, Des, do not let the Astros come into the Bronx and win two out of three. Do not let them win this series. And you better make sure that Garrett Cole goes out and dominates. If he throws seven shutout innings, then that's what we would expect from Garrett Cole. If he doesn't, oh, good Lord. I mean, good Lord. Don't get me wrong. Garrett Cole's the best pitcher next to DeGrom in baseball. I mean, it sucks. Garrett Cole's not even the best pitcher in his own city. But... uh, He's done a shove. Like I, it, Lance McCullers, he's a pitch of the game of his life uh, across one of the best pitchers in the last half decade, really. I mean, Garrett Cole's a, a, a specimen and a phenomenon, and I guess he's an agent of himself or whatever the fuck he said, but uh, that's a tough game to win. I, I mean, let's be real. Um, tomorrow, I, it, it, tomorrow may be a shootout. I may, bet, I may bet the over because Zach Greinke does not have a good history. Um, at Yankee Stadium, I think in 15 career games against the Yankees, he has a 5.05 ERA. Um, not great in a small porch. A guy who throws, you know, 87 against that lineup. And uh, have you seen Stanton? Have you seen him? I think I'm going to pull it up on baseballsavant.com. But uh, I think he has like 25 balls, like over 100, 100 miles an hour this year. Jesus. That Christ. is insane he's seen the ball well so don't like that recipe and no i don't know we'll see yeah you've got grinky luis garcia lance mccullers matching up against herman jordan montgomery and garrett cole so if you're gonna win these first two games win the first two win the first two win the first two let's go back to houston to play toronto that's it that's it that's i think that's the name of the game um it's uh (laughs) <laughs> it's Look, pretty I, ridiculous. Yeah, I guess, you know, to, to finish this segment two that we have uh, before we preview in segment three. Um, look, Astros fans, if you're going up to New York, don't fall into the bait. You know, be careful with what you say, because let's just face it. The Yankees fans are total assholes. They're going to shower you with popcorn. Beer. They're going to run your mouth. You're probably going to get a beer shower. Look, I'll, I'll be I'll, look. I don't give a shit what anybody says. I don't care if you judge me. I don't care if you call me, um, call me soft, call me a wuss, whatever the fuck it is. If that was me going up to Yankee Stadium 
I would not be wearing Astros gear. I'm not dealing with that shit. I am not dealing with that. Okay? And I ain't no punk bitch. But I'm not, I'm not wearing an Astros jersey up there. I'm just yeah. not going to deal with that. It's, uh, it's tough. I know we got, we got Spaceman and Doc going up there. Um, I'm very interested and worried for them. Uh, That's going to be some good content. That should be some good content. Be great content. I know they're being JC up there, who's a a good friend on Yankees Twitter. But um, I look, the Yankees go by what Aaron Judge and Stanton do. As simple as that. Uh, Stanton on this year, he's he has ten barrels, um, fourteen point seven percent barrel percentage. His hard hit percentage is top one percent of the league at sixty six point two. His exit velo is top one percent at ninety eight point seven. Who is this? this is this, this is Mike Stanton. Mike Stanton, middle John Carlo. Um, oh, John Carlo Stanton. Yeah, his mama, his mama named him Mike. I'm gonna call him Mike. That's right. Um, Aaron Judge, 13 barrels, barrel percentage 20.6. That's top two percent in the league. Hard hit percentage 60.3. That is top two percent in the league. And his exit velo, uh, top one percent of the league at 97.4. So. Uh, ball comes off the bat pretty hard uh, when uh, Mr. Judge and Mr. Stanton are yeah. at the plate right now. So a- Aaron Judge, seven bombs this year, hitting two eighty one, yeah. got an OPS of almost a thousand, like uh, right at uh, nine forty six. Yeah, man, and his his peripherals on this advanced data, him and Stans are uh, pretty salty. I mean, it's just that's that's what carries the. I think that's what carries the Yankee offense when those two are on and then the other guys can just be the other guys. They don't have to be the guys. And so um, we'll see. We'll see this week. I, I got, I'm going to keep the, I'm going to keep the same vibes. I'm going to say the Astros are going to get swept. I'm going to keep saying that. So, so you did say on our previous edition of beyond the diamond podcast here on Apollo HOU on the Apollo podcast network, uh, you did say that the Astros are going to get swept. I said they were going to win the series. Correct. And you said that they were going to get swept because you wanted to reverse, reverse the, what did reverse we say? Uh, reverse, yeah, reverse psychology. Yeah. And it worked. It worked. It worked. So, preview to this series, I'm going to say the Astros will win two out of three. And I'm going to say the Astros are going to get swept because I'm keeping up with the theme. I, I think the Astros bats will come alive. Um, I, I say come alive, but I think they will continue to stay hot. I think, I, I just think, man, the way they play on the road and how they handle all of the booing and the shit talking is something that needs to be remembered for a long time. These guys thrive on it. They, they do. do. They, they thrive do. on it. And, they, and they, they usually play pretty damn well up in New York. So I'm going to say they're going to take two out of three. Getting past Garrett Cole is going to be uh, a tall task. but. Who knows? Garrett Cole could come out and throw four innings and get absolutely shellacked. Yeah. So I'm going with two out of three. Dez, official, they're getting swept? Officially getting swept. Reverse psychology. You heard it here first from Apollo Dez. Follow him on Twitter at Apollo Dez1. I am Brian Lalima. Follow me at BLima790. That's going to do it for the second segment of Beyond the Diamond podcast. Right around the corner. We've got some Q&A, and we've got a little bit of Around the League, some May, uh, May edition of Around the League. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back with segment three of Beyond the Diamond podcast here on the Apollo Podcast Network.
Welcome back. Final segment of Beyond the Diamond podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Brian Lalima, joined with Apollo Des 1. And for segment three, we will answer some questions from you, the listener who reached out to us on Twitter. And then we will go around the team of the Houston Astros. I said uh, right before the break that we would go around the league. We adapted. We adjusted. We're just going to do around the Astros organization. Uh, and we'll talk about top pitcher, top hitter, who we're buying stock in, our favorite moment of the month of April, and a little prediction for the month of May. So that's coming here in segment three. Uh, Des, you want to lead us off with a little Q&A from the, uh, the great community that follows Apollo HOU? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, hashtag Ask Apollo. We have a few questions. Our first one is from at KMaze10. What up, Kyle? Um, over, under, on cowardly hit by pitches this series. How many balls will Jordan put in the upper deck and right field? Um, over, under, on hit by pitches this series. Ooh. Uh, I would say, I'd probably say three. Uh, you gotta would, say three. I think one yeah. a game is probably gonna happen uh, just naturally. Um, so I guess the question over under, I would probably set it at three and a half. And that makes me want to say over, but um, I think that's a good handicap. So if you put it at three and a half, I would take the under. I'm okay. taking the under. Yeah. I'll take the over on three and a half. Um, how many balls will Jordan put in the upper deck in right field? Well, in BP, his final round should all be uh, in that Josh Hamilton uh, right field range where Josh Hamilton... Like, almost, he literally almost, almost went out of Yankee Stadium, the old Yankee almost, Stadium. Yeah, he almost put one out of old Yankee Stadium. The greatest, the greatest home run derby performance of all time. And but he didn't even win. It didn't even win. Did it? Um, Warno win, right from the Twins. Uh, Justin Warno. Look at yeah. this. Look, look yeah. I'm gonna look it up right now. Uh, but I think it was him, and that's just me being a, a baseball. Yeah, it was two lefties in the finals, so Hamilton and, yeah, Justin Morneau sounds right. Yeah, Justin Morneau beats Josh Hamilton. Wow. Wow, yeah. I'm a genius. Anyways, yeah. um, that is over-under. Uh, I think Jordan puts one in the upper deck. Uh, I was going to say one as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's been hitting the ball well. He's had great at-bats. Power's kind of been lacking. Hopefully, we, he got one in Tampa on Sunday, so we'd like yeah, to see but- that. You know, honestly, I love it from Jordan. You know, we, we always talked about uh, here in, the, in spring training and then in a, on a couple episodes, the over-under of home runs for Jordan Alvarez this year, 40. You and I both took the over. Uh, but now you're really starting to see what kind of hitter Jordan is. He's not just a, your typical DH, hit big flies, uh, strikeout type guy. The dude's hitting doubles. He's hitting triples. He's going to the opposite field. And he doesn't strike out very often. The, the eye at the plate for Jordan Alvarez, you got to, man, just respect that of Jordan Alvarez. So I, I enjoy it. Honestly, I like to see uh, Jordan Alvarez not go up there and hit a bomb every at-bat. I like to see uh, the way that he can put barrels on ball, keep it through the zone, go to the opposite field, hit doubles, hit triples. Especially it shows how healthy he is. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing the pure all-around hitter that Jordan Alvarez is. We we get caught we get caught with the majestic home runs, the the raw power, but the dude's one of the best hitters in the game. And I I had a tweet about this earlier over the Tampa Bay series. His bat path is elite, elite. Like 
everyone listening, when, when Yardon comes up and they do the slow motion of, of his swing, look how much longer that bat pass stays through the yeah. zone. Yep. And if you're staying through the zone that long, good things are going to happen because you can adjust. You could you could stay on a pitch when when people you know spin in or spin out. His bat path is so elite. It, it's literally it's it's a lazy comparison, but it's big poppy. Like both guys are are big dudes from the left side that just keep their bat path through the zone. And it's truly, truly elite yeah. and we're spoiled to see him play. Yeah, and when you talk about his bat path, there's been a couple at-bats that I've noticed from Jordan this season where even when he gets fooled on a pitch and gets out in front, out on the front yep. foot, front foot uh, down early, ass out, but hands stay back, barrel comes through the zone, stays in the zone as long as possible. Enough. And he's exactly strong enough. You can flick a double out to left center field. Yep. Baseball it- IQ. You either got it or you don't. That's, That's what you get here on Beyond the Diamond podcast. That's what you get. You either got it or you don't. Okay? Amen. Like, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, five-star rating, because the bad boys of podcasting are going to talk about long barrels bad all the way boys. through the zone. All right? That's what we do. At Apollo H-O-U. Next question. This is from our boy James. In what inning will Yankees fans throw objects out onto the field? <laughs> uh, BP? The BP? <laughs> Shit. As soon as they're let into the stadium? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I don't, I mean, look, the Yankee fans two weeks ago were booing their own players and throwing shit on the field because it was bad baseball. Um, if the Astros get up, say, 8-2 to two tomorrow, 7-2, to two, and something happens that that crowd's going to get that crowd's going to be lubricated and been drinking since noon. And so they'll be restless if it's a blowout either way. So I'm going to say the eighth inning of tomorrow, we're going to see st- fans throw something on the field. Uh, I'm going to say the fifth inning. Wow. That's yeah, early. it's going to be early. Look, dude, these, these this fan base has had this circled for a long time. And they're finally chomping at the bit. They're going to get into Yankee Stadium. Like you said, they're going to knock down a couple of brewskis. They're going to have a couple of hot dogs. They're going to be running their mouth as soon as they get into the stadium. It's going to be the fifth inning. It's going to be the fifth inning. Something's going to happen. Uh, God forbid. Right? It, it God. takes one thing. It takes yeah, one it's thing. All, it's, it's going to, you know what? And you know what? I can even see. Dusty Baker going out to argue a call or oh to get some gosh. clarification, and it's just going to come raining down. It's just going to come raining down. Just, you know, just, just jackasses up there. Yeah. And I, I, and what's crazy is both of my parents are from New York. My dad's a lifelong Yankees fan. Uh, he's, he's both my parents. My mom, my mom is a Red Sox fan, but they were both born in New York. My dad was born in Brooklyn. My mom was born in Manhattan. So I was pretty much raised in a Yankee household, my mo- besides my mom, my dad, my sisters. I mean, we've got signed, I've got a, a badass signed uh, Roger Clemens jersey that I've got uh, framed in my, in my office. You think you know someone? Yeah, it, it's, um, I don't know. I think the don't fan meet base. Your, fan, well, everyone listening, don't meet your heroes. Don't meet Brian. Yes. Don't meet yeah. them. Don't yeah. meet your heroes. Look. The, the Yankee fans are not the same as from what my dad used to say. M- my dad and all his brothers, all my uncles, 
crazy Italian guys. They would go to the, they would pay two bucks. They'd get into the bleacher seats during a Yankees Red Sox game. They'd take the train over. Um, and if you if you got into it with the Red Sox fan back in the day, you'd box it out. You'd help each other up, and then you'd buy each other beers, and you just enjoy the game. These days, that doesn't happen. Yeah. That doesn't happen. And that and the Yankees fans are pissed off because they really think they had a shot to win the World Series in 2017. <clears throat> I mean, newsflash. I mean, no one. They're not beating that Dodgers team. No, they're not beating that Dodgers no. team. Um, our last and final question is from our good friend that we met up in Denver at the Astros locker. If you haven't followed him yet, give him a follow. Uh, I think he has literally every game-worn jersey in the history of the franchise, which is so damn cool. He's been flexing it a little more on, on Twitter, yeah, too, dude, sending he's, pictures. He's it's it. ba- it's he's badass. Got it. it is I mean, badass. Like we say it. You either have it or you don't. And, and he's got I love it. it. He's got he's it. He's got it, for sure. Uh, the question is, is Bregman being too selective early in the count? Feel like he's taking a strike in counts when he could be hunting heat. Obviously, he has a great eye at the plate, but I would love to see him attack middle-middle more. Rather than wait for the pitcher to establish the zone. Love this question. Great yep. baseball talk. Um, and I think we kind of touched base on it earlier with him being so low in the league's exit velocity. And yes, it's early and advanced stats on one month sample size, you know, doesn't equate to much. But um, just looking at it and grazing over it, um, seeing that low of his exit velo, that may be something there where he's he's not hunting middle middle. And he's more uh, being reactionary. Uh, I, I think he is being a little too selective early on. I think he does have one of the best eyes in the game. But then again, I think he's had one of his best Aprils in, the his, like in his career. So um, I think we'll start seeing him heat up. And when you see him heat up, he's probably going to be more aggressive and, and definitely attacking middle-middle. Yeah, I, I love this question. Um, I've always been a fan of, especially in your first at-bat, I've always been a fan um, of hunting a fastball, attacking the zone early, uh, you know, getting a first-pitch fastball. Um, in college, I usually hit uh, between the 5, 6, 7 hole. And when I was sitting down in the 6 to 7 hole, I got a healthy dose of first-pitch fastballs. And I was always a free swinger. Because in my mindset, that might be the only fastball that I'm going to get. Now, obviously, at the big league level, it's a completely different game, right? Certain guys don't throw fastballs in the first, you know, when, the, when they see the guys through the first time in the order. And it changes. Um, when it comes to Alex Bregman, I would say that I would like to see him a little more aggressive, especially early in the season. Um, it's noted that he starts off slow, which we've talked about a little bit. Other other sports personalities and journalists and, and analytical guys and ex players have noted that as well. So yeah, I, th- I would like to see him hunt a little more middle, middle, take some nice hacks early. Obviously you make adjustments, uh, every pitch, every at bat, every time through the order. But yeah, I think, I think Alex Bregman works on things and little things that everyone else thinks he's doing well in his mind. He's not doing well. So he's always trying to tweak certain things. Um, but yeah, I, I would I would say to answer the question, yeah, I would like him to hunt middle middle. I would like him to attack early. Yeah, I mean, we got two more questions that just came in right at the buzzer, so we'll we'll do those. I think touching with Bregman, like obviously he's an elite elite talent, and he's always trying new things and tweaking things and getting better. And we've seen it uh, time and time again. And I think with Bregman, it's a uh, it's a perfectionist curse and 
the it more is. he the more he frees up, I think that's when we see him at his best. But yep. right now he's just getting calibrated. Yeah, um, I agree. I agree. Uh, coming coming in and out, there's I mean, he has, you know, he had the COVID, he had to sit out with the protocols of uh, when Altive tested positive, so he had to sit out and that obviously you know, if, if you're feeling good or you finally found something, you know, we don't know as fans, we don't, we don't know that, but the guys are always, you know, doing work and doing stuff. So that may be in time where he's like, yeah, I figured it out in the cages with the hitting coach, like, okay, I'm ready to go. And then boom, you have to sit out, you know, four or five games. Um, and then you got to get that back all over again, that feeling and stuff. So uh, I just think it's calibration and he takes that April. Um, I think it was his best April. So I think he takes that 10 times out of 10. Calibration, you heard it here first, Beyond the Diamond podcast. You like that? I've I been do. Wor- I've, I've been working on on that phrase that all is, week. That's the SAT word of the week. <laughs> Calibration, folks. The next question is from at Tommy Frug one um, He goes, can you talk about how the bullpen shapes up once everyone is back at full strength? You've got Scrub and Anoli in the mix again. Um, yeah, I think our bullpen has been, we've seen it the first couple of weeks in April were worn down and it was compound interest guys, not, um, guys just throwing a ton of innings really early on because our starters couldn't get through four innings. And so now that our starters are getting extended, they're getting calibrated. Um, the bullpen is now getting calibrated. So, um, happy to see scrub back. Um, not a good outing on his first one of the year, but it was, a, it was a blowout. So good to see him getting run Anoli. Uh, it'd be great to see him come back. Um, Blake Taylor, when he when he gets back, really haven't heard much from him. Uh, Ken Emanuel emerging uh, as a, a shutdown weapon. He could be a long guy or a short guy. I think um, that's going to be a weapon Stromy and um, Dusty can utilize. And then you have the emergence of a Abreu Stanek Presley shutdown back in bullpen like. If you give if you get a Brayu to the seventh, and then you can bridge it to Stanek to Presley, the games become immensely shorter. Yeah, and you can pick and choose where you can use their scrubs, the Anolis, the Taylors, the Ken Emanuels, and you can really, really, really get unique and attack these uh, attack these teams when you have a bridge like that. So, uh, if the when the bullpen shapes up and gets healthy and gets calibrated, the Astros are just gonna go. Yeah, and let's let's not forget about Brandon Belak. He can be that bridge guy. Yeah. If if your starter, you know, only gets through four, you've got Brandon Belak that can come in and toss three innings. I, I would agree. I just I, hey, and I'm hundred percent confident in him. Yeah. Just do the, this. I, what, I I I know they tried it. They tried him and Luis out for that fifth spot, and you know, in a pinch, he could be that guy. But I think he's just the guy to yeah. be your bridge if he's your long guy or you know to. A, a tough five innings for a starter that, you know, as a hundred pitches and, and this, this lineup just kind of worn him down. I think Belak could be that guy and he's, he's proved it time and time again. So um, I think that's where his ceiling is maximized right now. The, he's the, the, uh, the, the weapons in the bullpen, a big thing to remember is if Brooks Raley, Blake Taylor and Kent Emanuel can all throw solid innings. You've got three lefties in the pen. That's not that you don't see that a lot in MLB anymore. You don't see a lot of teams that can run out three different lefties. Let's not forget about that. That could come in huge later in the season, especially if Brooks Raley can get his figured out. He's had a couple of tough, a couple of tough outings. Uh, He's been Blake Taylor nails lately. Yeah, but Blake Taylor, um, and then obviously Ken Emanuel. You don't have a lot of uh, outings from him. 
He's still getting his feet wet. Man, to have three lefties in your bullpen if you carry them all at once, I mean, that's going to that's gonna be a, a good weapon, good weapons to have. Man, 100%. it's great. I mean, lefty-on-lefty matchups, good luck. Our last and final question is a two-parter from Astros Matt. Uh, one, why did Dusty pull Christian Javier yesterday when he was only at 81 pitches? Getting tired of five innings from our starting pitchers, especially when it's self-imposed. And two, when are we going to see more of a split between Machete and Castro? Machete needs a break. Uh, yeah, Javier was rolling until he wasn't. And he threw a middle-middle changeup that got hammered by Meadows, and it was a uh, 3-3 game, and then the Rays just fought back all the way, the pesky yeah. Rays. So, um, yeah, 81 pitches was tough after him being extended um, the last couple of starts, but I, I'm not too worried about it. Um, no, that's... Th- he I threw mean, 101, 102, yeah. like, you know, hey, you can pump your brakes here. Um, and, and it would have worked. I mean, it was just some lazy baseball defensively. Um, so I'm not too worried about that. Um, I think it's just Dusty looking out for his guy. Yeah. And then I, there has to be a hundred. There has to be more of a, a 60-40 split with Machete and Castro. Jason Castro had one of the best at-bats of the year. Um, last night, off the bench cold, facing Diego Castillo. Oh, who just throws the nastiest slider in the league? Yeah, he, and worked he throws it. it at a like eighty percent clip. Yeah, and he so, worked it. He worked it to a full count. Worked it to a full count, and then roped it, and then hit a double to yeah, extend so, the game. Obviously, it didn't work out, but still, to have a guy to come off the bench like that, cold, cold against a really good closer. Yeah, I mean, you it, know what? Look, when it comes to Martin Maldonado, he's one of the best defensive catchers in the game. Correct. This year, he just can't hit. So it's it's like where do you where do you draw the line? Do you want you know your best of okay? I take a step back because Jason Castro is a damn good catcher behind the plate as well. He's a sure. veteran. He's been around the league for forever. This is his second stint with the Astros. He's been around that long. So it's I don't know. I don't know where you have to draw the line. Where do you draw the line? Obviously. Machete can't hit over a hundred right now. I mean, dude, he went over three the other day. So hey, you would we like had the to triple. We didn't touch yeah. on that. He had that amazing oh, triple. Yeah, he did have the triple. Um, I don't know. You you just got to see more production out of him from his at bats. I mean, if it continues to where he can't get, you know, couldn't hit water if you fell out of a boat, then you're going to have to give Jason Castro more at bats. That's going to have to happen. Um, and then when you know earlier in the question talking about Christian Javier I mean you you hit on it perfectly Des the two outings prior you extended him to over 100 pitches and then when Austin Meadows hit the home run that changed the game that changed all, everything the feel of the game the momentum and I'm sure and obviously Dusty Baker felt that saw where the game was headed knowing that Christian Javier was coming back from the ultimate alternate side he's pitched well uh, but the pitch count has been higher so yeah it's a it's 162 games why push your starter in in one of these games and get him three outings in a row where he's throwing over a hundred pitches. So I think it was a smart move to take out Christian Javier in the grand scheme of things and with a long season. No, I think it was a correct decision. Yeah. Um, uh, Thank you guys for, for getting those questions in a hashtag ask Apollo. Uh, We, I love looking forward to doing that every week. Uh, We'll wrap up the pod with, with this, um, let's fire it off. Here we go. Fire it off. All right. Your top hitter of the month. All Astros. This is all Astros base. 
We're doing April awards. Let me let me just say this is the Apollo April awards. There'll be a blog about it tomorrow as well. Your top hitter of the month, Brian. Uh, you do the honors. Yuli Gurriel. Yuli Gurriel okay. has been a man possessed. There's a couple of guys I wanted to put in there, uh, but it's just been the Yuli Gurriel show. He had a, uh, I mean, just a terrible ass performance last year in the 60 game sprint into the playoffs. He just didn't look comfortable. He had a lot of bad luck. He looked snake bitten. And this year he's just gone off. And it's, it's been a, a true sight to see it. He's just getting better with age. It seems like because, and, and I say it all the time. I wish we saw him when he was in his prime in Cuba. Like we got him as a, as a rookie. He's like 34 and he, he was so old, 33 and he's 36 right now about to turn 37. And, we're seeing some of the best baseball uh, that he's that he's put together, and so uh, he gets my top hitter of the month for the Houston Astros. Yeah, Michael Brantley, uh, like we said earlier. Um, yeah, that was the that dude was is just too. a pure hitter. Um, he kept the offense going when they needed it, and then Yuli Gurriel took off. Um, so I would give Yuli Gurriel the uh, hitter of the month for April. I mean, and, and you hit everything on it. So the top two guys, definitely Michael Brantley, but Yuli Gurriel takes it. Okay, great. Um, top pitcher of the month. Um, I'm just going to go who I touted from spring training the first time I laid my eyes on him, and that's Ryan Stanek. The guy's been a steal. He has elite stuff, and he's going to just keep producing in high leverage roles and not blink. I think he is our eighth inning guy. At the end of the year, he may have like 60 saves of the eighth inning. Like, I don't think that's... If, if you took what they call a save in the ninth and you just put it, scoot it on over, scoot, scoot, but in the eighth, he'd have like 60 saves in the eighth. I know they call it a hold, but it, it, the guy is just... Here's 100 miles an hour. How far can you hit it? Here's a little splitty to keep you honest, and here's 100 miles an hour. That's all I'm going to throw to you. Sometimes I'll mix a slider in, but this is what I got. Try to hit it. And most of the time, he's going to win those battles. So uh, my top pitcher of the month is Mr. Ryan Stanek. Yeah, and you know, Des, there's a reason why we do this together. Uh, There's a reason why we're the bad boys of podcasting. We put out content, content, content. Baseball IQ, we usually share the same. We usually share the same views and things on the game of baseball. Uh, the top two guys that I had in mind, one Ryan Stanek, but my top pitcher of the month is going to be Christian Javier. And the reason why the Astros were skidding, they were not playing well. They play the angels on that YouTube special, whatever it was. He goes out, throws five innings, nine K's, one walk, gets the Astros back to their winning ways. He turns around against the Mariners. Seven innings, six Ks, and only gives up two hits, no runs. Christian Javier needed to have two outings. He needed to, the Astros needed him to have those outings in the worst way possible, and he delivered. That's why he's my pitcher of the month. He got the Astros back to the winning ways. They needed that outing against the A's, or against the Angels, and they got it. Look, on March 30th, Right before opening day, I did a two-part power ranking the Astros opening day roster. Um, I said 
This is what I said about Ryan today. I initially ranked him number 21 out of <clears throat> 26 people, which is pretty low. I, I, I missed I missed on the on the ranking. But what I wrote, I said buy all caps, buy all the stock right now. Money side rise Stanek is going to be worth a billion. James Click, dude, and he throws 100 miles per hour with sideways stuff that makes me blush. He can be an opener in a pinch and a high leverage guy when he is on. I don't know. I mean, I'm tired of always being right. <laughs> I really am. But the guy is just a dude. He's a dude, and I love him. I love him. Hey, I mean, look, you either, you either have it or you don't. You got it or you don't. So, I mean, we saw, we saw Ryan Stanek in, in West Palm, and he looked damn good. And he yeah. hasn't missed a beat since. So yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a steal. Um, okay, favorite moment as a fan this month? Oh, it's uh, that's easy. Sitting through a snowfall in Denver, Colorado. I don't care if the Astros won or not. That's one of the coolest experiences. And I don't care if I froze my ass off, couldn't feel my feet. I didn't even want to drink a damn beer because I didn't want to have my my hands come out of my pockets. That was one of the yeah. coolest experiences I've ever had. That's my favorite moment. Look, Easy. When you're the bad, you're in your bad boys of podcasting. You you take in all the weather elements and you just fight them. So uh, I knew you were gonna go with that moment. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot. I'm gonna say opening day. Um, just meeting up with the crew, pregame at pitch 25. They took care of us. Uh, we love taking care of them. We went to the game, seeing the entire crew. Uh, being at the actual stadium in Made in Made Park, even though it was 50% capacity, no match, just vibes, and uh, don't really remember much of the <laughs> game, but I know we won. <laughs> but <clears throat> that's what opening day is about. Opening day and October baseball should be national holidays. Like, we should not work the whole month of October. But um, when I run for president, that'll be the platform. God, I can't I'm wait. Uh, but it, that's my favorite fan mode. And then seeing all the people rocking Apollo stuff like in the stadium was just truly a uh a what the yeah. fuck moment like okay this is really well, I think the, I think another so, cool yeah another cool moment is walking through Coors Field and a random guy walks by wearing a swing and a banging 100%. shirt an Apollo yeah. shirt I mean in, in the middle it was like yeah. 20 degrees he's rocking one of our yeah, t-shirts it, it um, I, and, um I, and I'll give it to the the people in Denver Colorado were nothing but nice to us nothing but polite. very welcoming uh, it was great. That was definitely one of the top moments for sure. So, okay, the player you're buying stock in, Mad Money style, buy, 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 buy this month for the Astros. Uh, Jordan Alvarez. Okay. And I'm buying stock. Way to get yep. on. Way to way to go on a. I'm gonna I'm gonna month. go out on a limb and buy stock in Jordan Alvarez. I think this is the month where he starts to add some totals to his home runs. Um, just from what I've seen, we talked about the, the pure hitting of Jordan Alvarez hitting doubles. He hit a triple. He hammers every ball, pretty much every ball that he hits. I am buying stock on Jordan Alvarez because he's going to add to the home run total. I mean, it's hard to argue against that. Um, the guy I'm buying stock in... Um, Look, I'm a degenerate. Everyone knows that. If you follow me on Twitter, you you know that I live that degenerate life. But when I see when I see this stock, 
and I just see it in the mud. And I'm, I'm in the mud. I'm living in the mud. I'm always in the mud. And I see this little gym, and you just, you just get the mud and you, you wipe it off. And you're like, oh my god, look at this ruby I have, a ruby the size of my fist that's worth a billion dollars. What do you do? You take that and you buy all the Kyle Tucker stock because there's no way. There's no way that he can hit the ball and lead the team and exit below and have the most barrels and hard hit percentage and that not turn into production at the plate. And it's going to turn around this month. So I am buying low and I will sell high, but give me all the Kyle Tucker stock for the month. Of can May. you uh, can you do the Ruby thing again? Uh, I missed that. When you're, no, I mean, um, you're doing what again? I was in the mud, dude. I'm always in the mud, and then you find this ruby, uh-huh. th- this this ruby that's the size of your uh-huh. hand, and it's probably worth a billion dollars. And then you go, you know, I could keep this, I could be a billionaire, or I could buy all the Kyle Tucker stock with the money I get from this ruby, and become a multi-billionaire because Kyle Tucker stock is about to. Sky- and what did you do to the mud? You what were you doing with it? Patting it down? I mean, what are, what are we I doing? I mean, come on. I just want here? the listeners to Look, know. What are we doing here? Look. Look. If you're in the mud, you okay. know about it. I don't have to explain it. If All you're right, in the mud. Well, yeah. Okay. You're in the mud. I yeah. digress. Whatever. I'll be a Okay, that's fine. Um, Kyle Tucker. I like it. I like it. Yeah. The player you are selling stock in the month of May. Selling stock? Do we even want to do this? Selling. Yeah, I mean, hey, we are ah, unbiased. Man, okay. Uh, We're the bad boys uh, of podcast. Po- <laughs> but, 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 bad boys of podcast. I would say, man, but we're unbiased. Man, selling stock. I hate to do this to to my man, Martin Maldonado. I just don't see him um, having any cure at the plate. I, I don't, and I think uh, what we what we've seen from Jason Castro uh, at the plate. Uh, I have more confidence in Jason Castro, so I, I will sell my stock on Marty Maldonado. I mean, I, I, I had his name written down right here, but I'm not going to. Dude, it's I'm okay go, to uh, agree, with, agree with me on something. No, know? I agree. I just want to defer a bit okay. here. And I, I, this may catch a lot of people off guard. I, I really think they will. But I really, I hate to say this. It, it, my skin is crawling, but I have to say because he's one of my Uh-oh. favorite players. Um. Mr. Jacob Odorizzi, I'm selling all his stock. Huh. <laughs> I mean, I'm selling I'm all of it. He's injured. He's banged up. He's not even, they're not even to get him a rehab start. They're going to throw him right back in the rotation. And, you know, he, he's already giving up a ton of stuff. So I, I'm sorry. I just got to sell all of the Jake Odorizzi. Yeah. Stock. You know what? I, I hate you know what's it. crazy is I completely forgot about Jake Odorizzi. I, <laughs> hand up, I forgot he was on the squad. <laughs> I did. I did. Selling the um, stock on Jake Odorizzi. I, I think it's a look, smart move. Look, smart I'm, move. I'm a big Jake Odorizzi guy. I, I, I go to bat <laughs> no, for the guy. <laughs> I'm a big oh, Jake Odorizzi God. guy, bro. But I hate I have to do this. <laughs> so sorry, Jake, if you're listening, I'm sorry, dude. Prove me wrong, please. Um, big the Jake final... Odorizzi guy. Huge. <laughs> huge. <laughs> huge Jake Odorizzi fan. The final May prediction. Um, I really didn't. I just put May prediction down. Didn't really like specify anything. So I don't know if we're talking about win loss or stuff uh, like that. So just give me a prediction for the month. We'll just go off the rails. Oh, right man. 
Uh, shit, man. <coughs> uh, I'm caught off guard here. Uh, Jordan Alvarez hits eight bombs. Wow. <laughs> wow. I think, I think that's what institutes a pump and dump because you bought all of his stock and then you say he's hitting eight home runs, but we're going to have the SEC on our case. I'm going to go with the Astros will be two games up in the West by May 1st. Or no, by May 31st. That's, a, that's probably a safer bet than my Jordan Alvarez hits eight bombs. But hey. I mean, I did say Jordan Alvarez was going to break the home run record by all-star break, so that doesn't look <laughs> sharp right now. So, hey, eight, eight gets, uh, gets, us, gets you there and gets me somewhat there, so we'll take that. Well, hey, that's what we do here at Apollo HOU. Fire takes, fire predictions, book it. That's it. Book that's it. what we do. And that is going to do it for another edition of Beyond the Diamond Podcast. He is Apollo Dez. I am Brian Lalima. Follow us on Twitter at BLima790 and at Apollo Dez1. Don't forget to like, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe on our Twitch channel at Apollo HOU, on YouTube at Apollo HOU, and then of course on Twitter at Apollo HOU. Dez, before we get out of here, any final words before the Astros take on the Yankees? Fuck them. Fuck them, hey, we that's ball. It. That's it. That's going to do it. Thank you for listening. We will be back in a couple of days to recap the Yankee series and look forward to the Astros taking on the Toronto Blue Jays back at home. George Springer makes his return. Give us, give, give us a five-star review. Check us out. Thanks for joining. That's going to do it for another edition of Beyond the Diamond Podcast here on the Apollo Podcast Network.